Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of Isaiah K Podcast. We're gonna be ta- we're gonna be discussing a lot today. Um, we're gonna talk about the XFL, how that went. Um, I watched a little bit of the games. I like that. Uh, I like the flow of the game and the pace of it. So I tell you what I think about that. Um, we're gonna talk some NBA, Lakers, Clippers. I'm gonna get into all of that and some Tom Brady talk as well. So stay tuned. Get buckled up. Let's go on our audio adventure. I see you guys on the other side. Okay, so welcome back, welcome back. Um, so Chris Haynes, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about the Lakers and LeBron. You know, LeBron comes out and say Chris Haynes reported that you know LeBron is the happiest he's ever been in his career, and he has a great relationship with the owner and the GM and the front office. This is like this is his best relationship with owner front office that he has had in his career. Uh, I think those little sh- sh- settle. I think those little settle shots at Pat Riley in Miami, but that's neither here or there. But basically, he comes out and says, "Hey, I feel good as a Laker. I- I'm I'm ex- I'm excited about the roster, and this is the best I ever felt." And he enjoys Rob Palenka and Jenny Bus in the front office. So and if you if he, if I would have told you, hey, LeBron's gonna come here to LA, he's gonna go to the Lakers, he, you know, he's gonna love the front office and he's gonna have them back in championship contention in a year and a half ago, a year and a half ago, if I would have said that, you'd be like, What are you talking about? And it's happening. But for years, you know, one you know, late in Kobe Bryant's career, and then as Kobe retired, the Lakers, that was the Lakers' constant problem. That was the Lakers' constant problem, their front office. Front office couldn't get get, get themselves together. Uh, the, you know, Genie and, 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 and Jump, I mean, Genie was fighting over who's going to have, who's going to be owner, and her and her brother, Jim Buss. Uh, it, 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 a lot has transpired with the Lakers, and then with Magic and the Rob Palenka situation, and... So, they find themselves here with the best record in the West, with LeBron playing the point guard position, and they have a young superstar big in Anthony Davis. They find themselves in this predicament, in this situation, and it's a good situation. It's a really good. It's a. It, it's a. It's a really good situation right here. Um, a lot of teams would love to have this, but. I don't think LeBron is feeling this way 
because Rob Plank is the best general manager he's ever had. I don't think LeBron is feeling this way because Jeannie Buss is the best owner he has had. Now, you know, Jeannie Buss is not a bad owner. Rob Palenka, he's not a bad GM. But, you know, I was I was I was listening to people talk about like the transition and what what the Lakers used to be like 2 years ago, 2 3 years ago. And you know, you know, I've heard, you know, People giving a lot of credit to, you know, Ron Palenka and, you know, mentioning him as, you know, as this top GM in the league. I I, I don't, I, I, I like Ron Palenka. Um, and some of the moves have been, like, very well calculated. And he's made some good moves. But let's be honest. Let, like, like, let's have a one let's, like, let's be honest and, and have an honest conversation about, like, the Lakers rebuild. And, uh, you know, I hate to do this because Rob Plinka, he seems like a nice guy. And, like I said, he hasn't made bad moves. And he, he he's made some good moves. But let's, let's, let's be honest. LeBron has saved the Lakers. LeBron has saved the Lakers. And often in LeBron's career, that's what he's been doing. He's been saving franchises. He's saved Cleveland. He's... Save Cleveland two times. Now Miami, on the other hand, he 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 kind of saved them. They saved him too, but they had a they had a, a injury prone star in D Wade. Uh, the Miami uh, a Miami team that could never get past that could rarely get past Detroit and Boston and the top tier teams in the in the East at the time. So LeBron, so Miami needed him too. And he saved Miami too. You know, that Pat Riley won a global relevance. He got it. But now he has saved the Lakers. And I go back to LeBron's comment about this is the best he's ever felt in his career. Especially with the GM and the front office relationship that he has now currently with the Lakers. You can go back as early as his first few years in Cleveland. We all know how dysfunctional and how bad, historically, the Cavaliers have been. We all know how bad they've been. I don't, I don't need to go, I don't need to do a whole lesson and breakdown on that. But, the Cavs needed LeBron. They were a 17-win team. He was a native, he was, he was a native from the state of Ohio. He saved the Cavs. The Cavs needed LeBron. LeBron didn't need the Cavs. Then, you know, he takes his talents down to South Beach, as he says, and he goes to Miami. Like I already mentioned, Miami, yes, they were they weren't as bad of a franchise historically as the Cavs have been, but they were a team with a D-Wade with aging knees, knee problems, that would have that would t- then take on multiple knee procedures, but Miami then lands LeBron and Chris Bosh. Miami wins two championships. Miami goes to four straight finals. Yes, Pat Riley is a great. He's he's a he's a he's great in the front office and what he does for Miami. Yes, I know D Wade was already a champion. I get it, but. D-Wade was really D-Wade. Like, 
LeBron joining Miami, when he joined Miami, D-Wade was still, like, a top 10 player in basketball. But, like, two years in, after the knee injuries that D-Wade suffered and after the injuries and the wear and tear that D-Wade suffered, D-Wade was no longer at the, the, the top 10 player that LeBron joined. D-Wade was no longer that guy. So, Miami needed LeBron. That goes to my point of that franchise needing LeBron for first relevance and then global relevance, which LeBron gave them both and two titles. And then LeBron goes back up to Cleveland. Mind you, he goes back to Cleveland. Cleveland still has yet to recover from LeBron's first departure. They have yet to recover. Yeah, they got a you know they got a couple good draft picks like Tristan Thompson and Kyrie Irving, but those guys weren't changing the 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 the, the, the dynamics of the Eastern Conference. Those guys weren't winning a lot of ball games for Cleveland. And at that time, let's remember what what was Kyrie Irving's perception around the league before LeBron? Before LeBron teamed up with Kyrie Irving, what was Kyrie Irving's perception around the league? You know, great ball handler, can score, but very egotistical, often hurt, and hard to play with. That was Kyrie Irving's mantra. That was his perception around the league. LeBron wins a championship with Cleveland, and he's in his prime. All these stages and transitions of LeBron's career, he's in his prime. LeBron now finds himself in L.A. He finds himself in L.A. Where he's not, you know, LeBron still great. He's averaging 25, 8, and, and 10. LeBron is still great. And some would argue, even argue that he's the best player in basketball. But for those who don't think he's the best play, player in basketball, for those that think Kawhi Leonard is now the best player in basketball. For those who think that Giannis is now the best player in basketball. Okay. I have a theory. I think LeBron feels this way. And I think he's happy in LA. I think he's content with the happy with, with the with the roster that he's have, with he would he have. You know, and it also helps when you have a superstar big man in Anthony Davis. That helps too. And it helps that you're in LA. It never rains in Southern California. But I think LeBron also feels this way because he actually needs a team around him. Usually LeBron is so dominant. He's just so dominant where there was a point in time in the league where LeBron was so dominant and so elite and so at the top of his game at his he was like LeBron like at LeBron's peak precipice I don't know if there's a there's probably one player in NBA history, and that's probably and that's Michael Jordan, that like at their peak, even close to that. And when LeBron was at his peak at, at his peak precipice, because you know LeBron is not at his peak right now. You know LeBron may very well be great. He may be still averaging twenty five and a half points. On, you know on seven rebounds and ten assists, but no. This is not like the very best LeBron. I think the very best LeBron that I have saw was his days in Miami 
in a couple of those years in my in Cleveland. Like that was like especially those like highlight those days in Miami. Those years in Miami, LeBron was at his peak popularity, his peak precipice. And like I said, one player in NBA history that can relate to that. I think there's one player that can relate to being that high and being that much better than the competition, and that's Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan in the 90s. So, LeBron feels this way because he actually needs a team. He needs support. He needs others around him now. He needs others around him now. And the Lakers, they've done a good job with that. You know, now we all know they need another piece, but for the most part, they have done a good job with that. And that is why LeBron is so in love with the front office and he's happy because he realizes, yeah, I'm still great, but I need help. I'm, you know, he's on the back burner of his career. Time is ticking. Time is ticking. And then this drives me into my next topic of the trade deadline. So the NBA trade deadline passed this last week, just the last week. You guys know we did two episodes on it last week. Um, we did a preview, you know, sort of say we did like a we did a preview of the trade deadline and what moves we expected to see and what you know what moves that we thought would be. Uh, Beneficial to teams and contenders that's you know that have that have sights on that trophy at the end of June at the end of the year, and then we did an episode where you know we discussed and broke down all of the big major moves. But I think there is a misperception or a misconception of the NBA trade the trade deadline and what it is. The NBA trade deadline, you know, I know everybody loved the Woj bombs. They love when Adrian Wojnarowski just drops those big, those big time trades. When everybody see that Woj bomb, they go crazy. I get it. I like it too. But that's not exactly what the trade deadline is for. The trade deadline is not. It's not for the big, block, the big blockbuster trades. It's not for that. Now, there's years where you have those type of trades where a big-time superstar moves. You know, a big-time superstar that's unhappy, and he goes to a new team. He, he, you know, he eventually gets traded to a new team. And I know everybody was talking about Houston, and, and I was too. I can, I can admit, I was too. Everybody was talking about Houston, their small ball lineup. And Iguodala to the Heat. And then Andrew Wiggins to the Warriors and D'Lo to Minnesota. Everybody was talking about the big time moves. And we live for the blockbuster trades that that involve the stars and all-stars or even superstars. But that's not what the trade deadline is for. The trade deadline is for teams like the Clippers. Teams like Milwaukee. To get better. Milwaukee right now. Is the best team in the East. And I know Miami. I know everybody has fallen in love with Miami. And with the moves they have made in the trade deadline. 
Uh, I, I like I and me personally, I I like the moves that Miami has made, but I don't think that's enough to get them over the hump versus Giannis and Milwaukee. I don't think that's enough, but we'll see. And then the Clippers. The Clippers are the second best team in the West, but many tend to think that the Clippers are a little bit better than the Lakers. And I'm one of those ones. <laughs> I think the Clippers coming into the season had the better structure. They were deeper. I thought they were better defensively. Now the Lakers statistically are a little bit better defensively. But I like I like def- I like what the Clippers have on the perimeter. And they added to that. So we undermine these small moves that these championship contenders made. Milwaukee just made the move to get Marvin Williams. Marvin Williams. Marvin Williams is a guy that can shoot the three. Not a not first, not a big time name. But he's a guy that can shoot the three. He has length. He can guard the three. He can guard a three or four. That's what Milwaukee wants. That's all Milwaukee has. Milwaukee has nothing but length. A bunch of guys that's 6'6 or taller. Length. And that can shoot threes. That's all Milwaukee have on their roster. That's how they built their roster around Giannis. Giannis is the facilitator. Giannis creates the offense. And he has nothing but shooters on the outside. We undermine small moves like that. But small moves like that, Marvin Williams is a guy that can come in off the bench, hit a couple shots, hit a couple corner threes, can play defense for a length of time against multiple positions. We undermine moves like that. The Clippers. Back to what I was saying about the Clippers. Coming into the season, I thought the Clippers were better structurally than the Lakers. I think they were, I think they were better put together. And it's not their fault. It's not the Lakers' fault, you know, automatically because the Clippers have been building this team for some years now. They have made a they have made a multitude of moves to end up with this final result, to end up with this final product. I thought the I thought the Clippers had the better coach. I thought the Clippers had the better GM in front office, which they do. And now. I don't think there was, I don't, and I don't, and despite the Clippers having a better front office, better GM, um, better coach, a deeper bench, despite them having all those advantages, I thought they had a slight edge. The gap, the gap between them and the Lakers wasn't that huge for me. Despite, even, even, even though they had all those advantages, the gap for me wasn't that big. But they made a move in a trade deadline with the Knicks to get Marcus Morris. Once again, another guy, not a big name guy, but Marcus Morris has a reputation around the league. First, first, he loves to guard LeBron. There's no there's no LeBron stopper. There's no LeBron stopper. Like, first, you're not stopping LeBron. Just like you can't stop, like, there's no Kobe stopper. There was no Kobe stopper. There's no Steph stopper. There's no Durant stopper. You're not going to be able to stop these guys. 
But it's another body where you can throw at LeBron and you can wear LeBron out. That's what the Clippers added. And he's a guy that can shoot the three. He's versatile. Little moves like this, like the Bucks and the Clippers made, that's what the trade deadline is built for. That's what it's built for. That's what the trade deadline is. That's all it's built for. Is a guy or well, a team that's missing one more piece or that can use one more piece to really bona fide their chances to end up as NBA champions. And that's what the that's what the Clippers did, and that's what the Bucks did. They went out, traded for guys that fit the that that fit their personnel. Marvin Williams fit what the Bucks do: shoot the three, length, play defense. Marcus Morris, he fits right in what the Clippers needed: shoots the three, can defend. Another guy that you you could throw a LeBron. Now I do think the Clippers are still missing a rim protector. They don't have a. I don't think they have a. I don't think they have a, a bona fide rim protector. I think they're still missing that. But as far as the perimeter and you know having bodies to throw at LeBron, because that's important. Because the Warriors did it. The Spurs used to do it. Throw multiple bodies. The Spurs used to throw Boris Diaw, Kawhi, Danny Green. They used to throw multiple Ginobili. They used to throw multiple guys at LeBron. The Warriors did it. Draymond, Iggy, Barbosa, Harrison Barnes, Clay Thompson, Durant. They throw multiple guys at LeBron. That's how you wear him down. And the Clippers just got a little bit better with the addition of Marcus Morris. And little moves like that don't get talked about much. But little moves like that is the difference from winning the finals or losing in the in the Western Conference Finals. Little moves like that. And I think Milwaukee, they were already heads and shoulders above everybody else in the East. But with this with this latest addition of Marvin Williams, it adds three-point shooting to defense, and they got a lot better. I'll be back on the other side to talk about some Tom Brady going to the Cowboys. How, how realistic is that? Tom Brady to the Cowboys. Hmm, sounds right. I'll be back on the other side to talk about that. Okay, so Tom Brady to the Patriots. Does that even fit? Does that sound right? So this weekend, I ran up on an article. You know, Michael Irvin was discussing and having a conversation with some significant others within the Cowboy organization. And they mentioned the possibility of Brady being a Cowboy. And I know all the Cowboy haters, because I know I, I I got a lot of Cowboy haters out here, because I've been supportive of the Cowboys. I've talked bad about them as well, but I think the Cowboy fans, they appreciate me. 
And the Cowboys are like, oh, you're just supporting them. Uh, you're a fan. Uh. But let's take a look at this. And I don't... I man today I, boy I don't think I don't think Brady is gonna sign with the Cowboys but but let's let let's let's take a look at this and let's debrief this let's debrief this New England Brady is first he feels the on the common perception around Brady and and the dispute in New England is the disrespect like first, Belichick about what three four what three years ago, Belichick wanted to trade Brady. Instead, New England and Belichick end up trading Jimmy Garoppolo. Belichick already had Brady's replacement. It's called Jimmy Garoppolo. He already had Jimmy. He only he already had Jimmy Garoppolo's. I mean Tony Tom Brady's replacement. So Brady feels disrespected by then, but then coming in this year. They put Bray on on a short lease. They give him a one year deal, and now that's why he's a free he's a free agent right now. And yeah, I, I seen you know we all seen the reports of New England is willing to spend such and such to get to get you know to to, to retain Brady. They're willing to spend thirty million dollars to retain a forty two year old Tom Brady. Not mad at it, okay, but but. Don't just blow this Tom Brady to the Cowboys thing off. Now, once again, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I don't think it happens. I, I don't. I don't. I don't think it happens. I don't think it happens at all. But do not blow off the Cowboys. Tom Brady going to Dallas. What was Brady's biggest? What was the? What was New England's biggest? Issue this year on their team. <laughs> I mean, not even on their offense, but on their team. Wide receivers, offensive weapons. Dallas has plenty of that. Dallas has two All-Pro offensive linemen, a offensive le- a, a, a a good offensive left tackle, a good left tackle, an elite running back in Ezekiel Elliott. In a good receiving core with Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and Randall Cobb. That that that's what that's what Brady wants. He wants he wants receivers. He wants weapons. Now I don't I think I don't and the reason why I'm I'm not like just jumping on bandwagon with this cow Tom Brady to Dallas thing because like I feel like when when you do something for so long and and you're just you're just naturally into that, and you're naturally accustomed to that. I think it's kind of, it's very hard to leave that. But I also do I do know that in sports, in sports, we see things go a little bit differently. Like people could never imagine Peyton Man in a Broncos uniform. People can't imagine that. People could never imagine Michael Jordan in a Wizards uniform. 
People can't think about that. We don't see a lot of these things coming. A lot of these big moves that we that that happen, they happen and they come and they and they just they just happen. It's not playing. We couldn't. We like who would have thought Brett Favre would would play for the Vikings? What Brett Favre played for the Vikings? What? Yeah, yeah, it happened. These things just happen, and we can say, yeah, we didn't see it coming, or or we can say, oh yeah, I don't really, I don't think that. I can't see him in another jersey. Well, it happened. Not saying that it is going to happen, because like I said, when you do something for 20 years, when you do something for such a long time, you're just just accustomed to doing the same thing. You go with with what's comfortable. But Brady and his problem all this year in New England was the lack of offensive explosiveness, the lack of weapons, the lack of receivers, young receivers. Dallas has receivers. O-line, running back, and then also, check this out, Robbie Kraft, good owner, great owner, New England, as far as value as a prestige franchise, it's pretty up there, it's up there, it's up there among sports, it's, you know, obviously, New England's prestige and its its net worth and what it's really worth has definitely gone up in the last 20 years due to all the success. Definitely. But what team consistently ranked by Forbes is the most valued franchise in sports? You know what it is. It's the Dallas Cowboys. And this Dallas thing, it, it doesn't seem too far-fetched. And if you're a Cowboy hater, if you, don't, if you just hate the Cowboys, if you have something deep inside your heart about the Cowboys, you might want to turn this off. Because the Brady to Dallas thing, it can happen. I wouldn't, I, I don't, I, now me personally, I but it can happen. It can happen. So, <laughs> you know, Brady is a legendary player. Brady, some people tend to think, hey, Belichick makes Brady. Brady's a system quarterback. Brady, you know, what if Brady wants to prove that he's not? And what would be the better place? I know the Chargers have been going out there, but the like I said, the Chargers, New England going like going from New England to the Chargers, going from the Patriots to the Chargers, is like going from the Boston Red Sox to the Tampa Bay Rays. Like, no, I don't want that. It's a step down. It's definitely a step down. You know, I've heard the Miami, the Brady to Miami. Miami's in a rebuilding stage. I like what they have. I like Brian Flores as a coach, but Miami's in a rebuilding stage. Step down from New England. It's just, it's just a step down. 
but Dallas, the Cowboys? You're talking about the biggest player in football with the biggest team in football and in any sport. That sounds right to me. I'm sorry, but that sounds right. That sounds right. Tom Brady. Cowboys? Mm, not too shabby. I, I, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Because we all have jobs. We all have jobs. This is what I do. I, po- I, I have a sports podcast. I can't come on here and just talk about, you know, any... <laughs> I can't just come on here and, t- you know... Interesting. I got I gotta keep it entertaining. And I come up with these theories. I have my thoughts on different sport topics. Enlighten. And like you got like you guys have job whoever's listening, like you guys have jobs. Either if you have jobs going to work like an actual work, an actual work site, an actual cubicle, or if you go to school or attend school, that's your job. And my job right now is to provide theories. And these are my thoughts on the sport. I'm just saying. The, the Cowboys to Tom Brady to, to the Cowboys. Tom Brady to Dallas. It may, it may very well seem far-fetched. And you're like, it's not going to happen. Really? It's not going to happen. I, I, I'm not saying it's going to happen either. But <laughs> don't look at me. If if Brady has a star on the side of his helmet, don't look at me. But Brady does, the Cowboys do, have all the missing, they have all the ingredients that New England wants. New England typically doesn't have a great history, under, especially under Belichick, drafting great wide receivers. They've had to go out and spend money. But... Brady, he's gonna he wants a lot of money. He's demanding a lot of money. So how do the Patriots do that? You know, this draft it has a lot of great receivers. Can can New England go out and draft receivers? Hmm. Who knows? But don't hurt the messenger. I have I, I gotta provide you guys with some of my I gotta provide you guys with my thoughts and my theories because I, I have a lot of theories. You guys you you guys have heard some of them, not all of them. You I, I have theories and I'm I'm just providing it to you. Uh, these are my thoughts. I, I I ran up on this article with Michael Irvin. It's it's big time, Michael Irvin. He's a reliable cow- first. Mike Irvin's a reliable cowboy source. Second, he spoke with significant others. I don't know how legit it got that to be like legit, but like that. And I'm, you know, and it's just the, it's just exploring the talks, exploring. The, 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 I'm trying. I think I don't think it's gonna happen. I don't. I don't think Brady goes to Dallas. If I'm a bet man, I think Brady returns back to New England. I think he returns back to New England. But 
don't 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 kick this out the don't kick this out the door. Because if you were to tell me Brady doesn't return back to New England, and out of all of the thirty one teams in the league, who who would he go to? I would pick Dallas. If you already told if you already told me that Brady is not gonna sign back with the Patriots, I'd be like, Oh, yeah, he's gonna Dallas then. He's gonna sign with Dallas. Sorry. That's just what I think. So let's get into the inaugural week. Their debut weekend. Saturday and Sunday. Brought to you by ABC and ESPN. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Uh, I watched the DC Defenders game. And I didn't watch the second game on Saturday. But I did watch the second game on Sunday. So I watched two games. Um, I liked I liked the league. It was a good pace. Now, obviously, these are not NFL stars. You don't have Patrick Mahomes and Stephon Gilmore and Ezekiel Elliott and Michael Thomas and Travis. You, of course, you don't have those guys. But this was some good football. These these were either very like very good college football players that did not make it in the, at the NFL level. Or these are former NFL players who eventually got cut. There's a lot to like about the XFL. Um, For me, the the part that I I liked the most was the transparency. I like the transparency factor of the XFL. I think the XFL, I like the the coverage, the inside coverage that they gave us um, with... Cause I saw it was this one play on um, sun yesterday, the Dallas Renegades. I watched the game and it was a fumble. The voodoo on the field was not a fumble, so they go up to the booth just like and you know just how they do it in the NFL. They go up to the booth, but we actually got to hear what they were saying and what they were communicating in the booth. While they were trying to make a decision in whether it was a fumble or not, and then you know we heard the process, the process of it, what the guys in the booth thought. They gave the call down to the field to the referees. The referees made the call, loved it. And take that long. You're not an NFL. You go to the booth. They try to see if it's a catch or not, or see if it was a fumble or not. They show us all these different camera angles, and they they take us on a commercial break, and it's like, damn, this is this is this is taking too long. It wasn't like that yesterday. It was quick, efficient, and effective. I like the transparency part of it. I think that was the most that was the part that I liked the most, the transparency part of it. Them. I get the we we actually as fans as viewership we got to actually see and hear what what is the process going on in the booth what is the thinking process going on in the booth we got to hear that we got to hear what was the process was the guy down by contact the booth like the guys in the booth went over all of that. 
in a timely manner and got the call in to the referee. Loved it. I like the on I like the sideline coverage uh, that we heard from the coaches. Uh, we heard the the language, the football terminology um, from the coaches and quarterbacks. I like that part. Also, the XFL. It's two doubleheaders because it was four. Ga- it was four games that came on, and this weekend sports really on, especially on Saturday. Duke and North Carolina played. The Lakers and Warriors played. There was there was a lot of college basketball college basketball on, and the highest ratings out of any sporting event this weekend. The at the highest rating sports events it had the highest ratings for any sport event this weekend. The XFL had the highest rating sport highest ratings for a sports event this weekend. I liked it. I like it. I like it. I like it very much. Um, you know, and the XFL, they were just throwing that, you know, they threw something together that, you know, they threw something on the wall, hoping that it sticks. I like it though. And it also helps that you have like, you have real football minds with these teams and these games and the league. Vince McMahon, uh, you all, you guys, if you don't know, he, he he's the one that runs WWE. Great, great, great mind, smart. Uh, Andrew Luck's dad is a big part of this. Um, some some former players in the NFL are, are a part of some of the team's front office. Like I think, like I know Daryl Johnston. Um, he's the Dallas Renegades GM. So that 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 you know, some former NFL greats are have their hands, have their fingerprints, have their fingertips on this. So I like it. I like it. I I I like it. It didn't look sloppy. Uh, the presentation of it, the presentation of the games and the and the the commentators were great. Like these were these are NFL guys. These are professional guys. I like the product. Um. The things that the I like it all. The things that the XFL can control, they did a good job with it. Like the XFL, they can't control the attendance. The attendance, the attendance, gotta come back, come, gotta come from the fans. Um, the the XFL's perception, it has to come from media members like myself. Uh, the the quarterback play, cause that's a big thing. The quarterback play and the quarterback production. That has to come. That you know that, that they can't control that. The, the the XFL can't control that. But all the things that you can name that the XFL can control within the game, within the league, they did a good job with it. Um, this first weekend, and I'm I'm inter- I'm really interested to see what are the ratings for the next coming weeks. Is there more excitement and build up? Is the word really getting around? I saw a couple clips on social media. That you know, that's getting hundreds and thousands of views. That can lead to some, 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 you know, some ratings into going into the next coming weeks. But I like it. I, I, I really do like it. Uh, it was, it was a good. It was just some good football, and it also, what better timing? Because this year NBA, some people are still not watching the NBA. Some people don't watch the NBA to the playoffs. 
or or until All Star Weekend. Um, college basketball this year doesn't have any dominant teams. There's no like real dominant team in college basketball um, this year. College basketball hasn't been that great. So what? A, this is the perfect time of the year as far as sports to to have something on television and. These 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 networks like ESPN like I know they are itching for something else other than NBA with Kawhi and his little management crap. I know ESPN these other net that these other networks are itching for some for for some other product that they can place on these channels other than NBA. I know they are itching for it and. They got the, the, the XFL guy, the, the proper TV deals to go in with the coincide with the league. I like it. I like it. I, I like what I saw from the first week of the XFL. Um, I'll be back. Um, we're going to talk about the Lakers and Dion Waiters and Darren Collison. What should the Lakers do? Now that Darren Collison has now announced that, hey, he's staying retired, what should the Lakers do? Because we all know the Lakers still need a shot creator. They need another wing player. What should the Lakers do? And also, midway season point, midway point of the season, of the NBA season, um, I'm going to give you guys my awards. MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, Coach of the Year, um, all that good stuff. MVP, Coach of the Year, Best Teams. Defensive player of the year. That's it. I'm not going to do most improve. Uh, I could do most improve. And um, I'm not, I'm not going to do six man of the year though. But I'm going to have more of that on the other side. Stay tuned. So, Darren Collison um, <clears throat> decided to stay retired, not come out of retirement, um, and the Lakers really needed another ball, another, like a, another guy on the wing offensively, uh, for offensive purposes mainly, uh, to, for, as a, for another shot creator, another playmaker. They needed something of that sort. They didn't get it. They didn't get with Darren Collison. And I thought the perfect pickup would be Darren Collison. He's another point guard, a little bit younger than Rondo, 
and all signs are pointing to whoever the Lakers sign um, in the next couple of days, they, they, they're, they're going to remove Rondo in order to add that acquisition. And I, I like Rondo. I've been a big fan of Rondo. Um, but Ron, and I know he gets a lot of scrutiny around the league because he, he has a reputation of being like a dirty player. But Rondo is no longer Rondo. Uh, he, he, he's, a, he's, a, he's still a good facilitator. He's still smart. But offensively, he doesn't look to score enough. And in, in his playmaking, his, like, his athleticism and his playmaking ability has gone down. It is, it is, tick, it, it is taking a, a dip. And I think, I think the Lakers could definitely use a guy like Duren Collison or could have used a guy like Darren Collison at this point of the season because I don't know if you look at the but I looked at I looked at every Laker game. I look at every Laker game. And when LeBron goes to the bench, yes, Anthony Davis is a great player and he's really good offensively and really talented. But they need a guard on the wing that can that can create some 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 type of offense, or he doesn't have to be a point guard, but he has to be a guard. And this is what brings me to Dion Waiters. When I when I uh, put out the update that yes, Darren Collison will not be coming out of retirement, I said right under that I said the Lakers need to pursue Dion Waiters. Dion Waiters was a guy who had some trouble in Miami, uh, Miami. Uh, he shot, but when he did play, he shot he shot forty seven percent from downtown. Dion Waiters is represented by Clutch Sports. He was a former he 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 used to be represented by Rob Palinka. So those th- those are th- th- those are some connections that he already has within the Laker organization because we all know LeBron is Clutch Sports, AD is Clutch Sports, uh, Contavious Caldwell Pope is Clutch Sports. So you have a few, you have several guys on the Lakers squad that is clutch sports, and Rob Palinka, we all know, is you know he's the head guy of the front office. So there's the relationship, there's the connection right there. Deion Waiters is a guy that can come off the bench. You don't need. It's not like you're asking him to come in and be a starter and play heavy minutes. No, you're asking him to be a role player. Come in when Le- come into the game when LeBron is out and support us offensively. Give us some spark on offense. Um, yeah, that that that's that that's all. That is all you need from from Deion Waiters. He's a shot creator. He can um he, he he's one of those guys like you know in a playoff series where it can be like game five. And he takes over for a quarter or a half, like he has twelve points at, at, at you know in a half or ten points in a quarter. Like Dion Waiters is that type of guy where the Lakers could use another uh, extra, some extra scoring punch, and he can give you ten to twelve to fifteen points in spurts because he's that good offensively. He's a shot creator. He can create his own shot. He can play make at times. He's athletic. He's he got a handle. He he's one of those combo guards. So he can do a lot. He has a lot in this offensive game. 
and I think the Lakers could be they can like really pay off um with that with that late signing that can really get them a little bit closer uh to the Clippers and to a title. Um now I'm going to give out my mid-season awards. Uh my mid-season awards. Now I realize that the Grammys was a couple weeks ago. The Oscars was last night. So I realize let's it's the happy season. Why not give out mid-season awards? Mid-season awards. Um so let's start this up right now. Uh for MVP for the mid-season so far. Uh it, you know, I love LeBron. I love LeBron, but I'm going to have to go with Giannis. I'm going to have to go with Giannis for mid-season MVP so far. Uh, and it's the old thing. It's the old rule. He's the best player on the best team. Giannis has led the Bucks to 45-7. and seven. He's really dominant. Um, he, he He's like out. He's outrageously dominant, and he's by far the best player in the Eastern Conference um, on the best team. I think with Mike Budenholzer um, and the Bucks, they have done a good job with putting the pieces, the the represent pieces around Giannis, so he can be at his best. Giannis this year has he has 15 games where he has where he has scored 30 plus points and has 15 rebounds. You know who has the second most games like that? Three. That that three. Three. The rest of the second most has three. The player with the second most of those games has three. Giannis has fifteen of those games where he has scored thirty and fifteen boards. Thirty plus points and fifteen boards. Um he's that he you know, he's he's been the best player on defense. I mean he's been the best player on the best team this year. It's kind of hard to not give the MVP to Giannis. He's the front runner for Rookie of the Year. Um, I'm gonna go with John Morant. John Morant is my Rookie of the Year. Uh, I don't think it's close. Uh, he has led a Memphis team that I not that I that I not thought that that I think coming into the season. I didn't think Memphis was gonna be a playoff team. If the playoffs started tonight, Memphis would be the eighth seed. That that, that that's phenomenal because. For years, for like a couple years, Memphis took a little dip. They took a dip because it was. I remember with years where Memphis was a perennial like playoff team, and they were rent, they were winning, they were winning first. They were going to the second round, going to the conference finals. Memphis has built their 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 roster back up. It's very young, um, and led by John Morant. He's explosive. He's He's Russell Westbrook with a jump shot. Like, imagine, and you guys know how I feel about Westbrook. But imagine Russell Westbrook with a jump shot. That's John Morant. John Morant is explosive, elusive. Um, he, he, he's creative offensively. He can, he, But get this, he can shoot. He, John Morant can shoot. He's, he's Russell Westbrook with a jump shot. That's all John Moran is. Russell Westbrook with a jump shot, just a little small. Uh, he has a smaller frame. So, John Moran is my MVP. And what he's done with Memphis this year, 
absolutely love it. I think Memphis is 27 and 26, I think. They're really, I, I, I like watching them play. Nice young team. They're, they're, they're exciting to watch. John Morant helps that. Um, who's next? Defensive player of the year. I'm going to have to go with Anthony Davis. My defensive player of the year this year is Anthony Davis. He set out a goal to win, in, I mean, to win defensive player of the year. Uh, the Lakers as a whole team have really locked in defensively. Now, they have been, I think they've gone on a stretch. Early on in the season, they were really good defensively. Like, they were like a top, like, they were a top-tier defense. They was in the top of every statistical category defensively. Uh... You know, early on in the season, but they have hit a stretch where the defense has fallen off a little bit. But the Lakers are still good defensively. It helps um, the those perimeter defenders because the interior is so strong for the Lakers with with a multitude of rim protectors and Javale McGee, Anthony Davis, and Dwight Howard. Anthony Davis is my defensive player of the year. Um, he 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 leads the he leads the team in blocks. I like what he does, and also defensively, like numbers don't always show the effect you have on defense. Um, that's that, I think that I think that goes just about in any sport. It just doesn't show the effect that you have on defense because play because guards not coming into the paint after you block guard shots a couple times or one time, guards not coming in and attacking the paint. That like that shows a level of effectiveness, and you have a major impact in the game. Anthony Davis does that. Anthony Davis is my defensive player of the year. Um, and lastly, my most improved. Oh well, I have my coaching year and my most improved player. Like my most improved, my most improved player of the year is Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram, I always knew he had the talent. Brandon Ingram come out of Duke was you know he was he was compared to Kevin Durant. Because of they have, I mean, Brandon Ingram. I mean, golly, Brandon Ingram and Durant. They have similar frames. I thought he was Durant. Uh, like I thought he was Durant. I thought he was like a seventy percent version of Durant. Like Durant is an all-time great. Durant is <laughs> Durant is an all-time great talent. He's um, one of the best scores um, in, in, in league history, and he's probably the best scorer in my generation. Um. Like single, like he's the best scorer in my gener- generation. But Brandon Ingram, he has taken his game to the next level. I think a change in scenery has helped. Um, I never thought the LeBron and Ingram thing worked out because both needed the ball. He goes to New Orleans. He balls out New Orleans. He's averaging about twenty-five and a half points. He is really skilled. He's showing his full potential uh, this year, and he has earned himself. A max con. He's he earned himself a max deal this year. Now whether or not he gets it, whether or not he signs with New Orleans or the Knicks, I don't, I don't know. But he has earned himself and played himself to a max contract this year. And I always knew he had the ability to be this type of guy where he can score in bunches, um, and score. And he was a three level score and score in uh, in many facets. Brandon Ingram is my. Uh, most improved player of the year. Um, and my coach of the year, <sighs> really tough. Um, Mike Budenholzer has done a good job. Uh, Nick Nurse has done a good job. Nick Nurse has really done a good job. 
Um, Nick Nurse has really done a good job. Boy, oh boy. I'm in a, I, I'm in a B-Twix between Nick Nurse and Frank Vogel. I give some credit to Frank, Frank Vogel because this is a tough job you have. First, coaching the Lakers. Second, second coaching LeBron. And then, coaching the Lakers and LeBron with so that that like that he's and he's done such a good job. Um, I'm gonna go with Nick Nurse though. I'm gonna go with Nick Nurse as the coach of the year so far this year because Nick Nurse he has Toronto as the third team in the East. He has Toronto as the third or second team in the East. They remain competitive and they remain more than competitive. Like Toronto. It's one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference by record. Uh, so I give I, I'm gonna give some credit. I'm gonna, I, I give the Nick Nurse. Um, you know, lost a superstar, lost the Finals MVP. Uh, didn't take a step back. They remain where they were around this. I mean, this is where they were around this time last year. The second or third seed around this time last year. So they 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 didn't they didn't regress at all. Um, so I give the Coach of the Year to Nick Nurse. Um, so thank you guys for listening. That was my mid-season awards, my mid-season NBA awards. But thank you guys for listening to another episode. Um, you guys have been doing a great job with clicking. Clicking is the most important thing. Click, click, click. You guys have done a, such a good job. Um, we hit 2,000 listeners. We have an average of 2,000 listeners to the podcast. Thank you guys, because none of that is possible without you guys actually listening and clicking. That's why I said clicking is important. Thank you guys for letting me, for, um, like, thank you guys for letting me hit the 2,000, uh, you know, listener mark. Thank you guys for letting me do that. Really appreciate it. Uh, remember, remember, two choices, one decision. Two choices, one decision. You guys could have been anywhere else. You guys could have chose any other podcast, but you chose this one. Thank you guys for listening. Um, I'm out. See you.